Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity that we have every Sunday to come to be here with you, to hear your word. I thank you that not, in, not only in Bible times were you standing with us, did you go with us, but that every day, everything we go through, you are there, guiding us, holding us, protecting us. And now I just ask you to open our hearts to your word and just bless us. Amen. Scripture today is from Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 7. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you my, by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Siva, in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offsprings from the east. And from the west, I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is the word of God for the people of God. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Luke's gospel, the third chapter. And if you want to join me there, we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 17, and then verses 21 and 22. It can be found in the New Testament section of your pew Bible on page 59. Again, that's Luke's gospel, the third chapter. I'm going to be reading verses 15 through 17, and then verses 21 and 22. Let's stand for our gospel lesson this morning. Hear now the word of the Lord. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of the sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, in the still and in the quiet of this moment, we turn to you. And Lord, we turn to you in faith, trusting in your grace. We turn to you seeking salvation and forgiveness. We come to you this morning to hear that pronouncement over us that we are your beloved children. So Father, today as we contemplate and as we meditate on the baptism of Jesus, 
We pray that we would find ways to remember our own baptism this morning. Maybe recalling the place where that baptism took place. Maybe remembering those who were around us. Or maybe, Lord, remembering the many baptisms that we've witnessed over the years. Infants whose parents have brought them to be baptized. Adults who have professed newfound faith. But Lord, we pray that in these moments today, we would again hear that pronouncement that we are your beloved. That Lord, you love us, that you have a claim on our life, but that you also have a plan and a purpose for us as your people. So Father, in these next few moments, we ask that you would speak, that your voice will be plain. And Lord, I ask this morning that you would speak through me or I ask that you'd speak in spite of me. But Lord, I pray that regardless, your word would go forth and that we, your people, would be changed because of it. It's in Christ's name and to his honor and glory we ask all these things. And again, all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. What's in a name? What's in a name? I've been thinking a lot about that. I mean, some names are utterly iconic. All we have to do is hear them, and immediately something comes to mind about that person. I mean, if I were to say the name Michael Jordan this morning, I think everyone, even those who maybe are too young and didn't have the opportunity to see him play during his heyday, would know who I'm talking about. I mean, just that name, Michael Jordan, conjures up all kinds of iconic images. Him dunking over opponents, his tongue wagging as it hangs out of his mouth falling backwards, hitting game-winning jumpers, championship after championship, his ability to seemingly defy gravity. I mean, when you hear Michael Jordan, those are the things that come to mind. Now, some names are historic. All we have to do is speak those names, and immediately all kinds of facts and heroic acts come to mind. Earlier this week, I heard the name Florence Nightingale, and immediately I was transported back to elementary school and hearing stories of that heroic nurse, this woman who during the Crimean War heard about the deplorable conditions of the hospital, and she refused to accept that things had to be that way, so she stepped up and brought about change and reform. She went to the front line. She drew attention to what was going on. She advocated for a new and better way. She advocated for reform that would actually transform the medical institution. Now, some names, they're just plain infamous. I mean, the mere mention of a certain name may conjure up all kinds of other images, some not so good. Maybe it would cause your stomach begin to churn, or maybe the hairs on your neck would begin to bristle just a little bit. If you heard the name Jack the Ripper or Al Capone, how much of our significance is bound up in a name? Maybe at birth you were given a family name, a name that was originally belonging to one of your ancestors, someone who influenced your family, someone who left an indelible mark, and so that name wanted to be passed down. Maybe your parents wanted to preserve that name, to preserve that legacy, to make sure that it stood the test of time. Or maybe a name was spoken over you, a name was given to you, a name that was bound up with meaning and it held for you aspiration 
things to try to achieve, a legacy to strive for. Or maybe it was a name that you could try to live up to. Do names matter? Again, I ask, what is in a name? Does the name that's spoken over us, does that name matter? Today's gospel text picks up quite a bit of time after where last week's left off. The Christ child is now a man. Jesus has grown up. He's no longer that young child who's there with his mother as the Magi come and visit. He's no longer that baby that we celebrated just a few short weeks ago, that baby that was kicking around in Mary's womb. He's no longer that young child still in the womb that Mary took with her to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who was also miraculously with child, although well beyond childbearing years. You see, Luke in his gospel, he's hit the fast-forward button, and he's moved forward at breakneck speed. His account of the good news of Jesus Christ has made quite the jump, and he's headed into some new territory. The angelic proclamation of Jesus' birth to a ragtag group of shepherds that took place on the hillside has given way to the muddy banks of the Jordan River. Those angels have been replaced with John, Jesus' cousin, a man who wears camel hair and has a leather belt around his waist, a guy who has a penchant to eat locusts and wild honey. Here's Elizabeth's son, this child that she was miraculously to give birth to, and he is now standing there in the Jordan River. Daily he can be found in this place. Daily he can be found in this same location preaching and proclaiming a message of the repentance, calling people to repent and embrace new life, to live differently. John is there and he's preparing the way for Jesus. He's preparing the way for the Messiah and the Savior, the one who would come after him, the one who John describes as being so much greater than him. And in reality, it's along these banks It's along these ever-so-common banks, these banks that so many people frequented on a regular basis. It's on those banks that everything takes a turn in Luke's gospel. Everything changes because there, in a moment, it happens. It begins. Everything starts when Jesus goes down into the river and as he gives himself into the hands of his cousin, Luke describes what takes place this way. He says, The heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, in a form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, and the voice said, You are my son, the beloved. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Despite the beauty, the sentiment, and the season-long focus that we've had on celebrating and leading up to the birth of Jesus Christ, it's his ministry, it's his teaching, it's his self-sacrifice that's going to captivate our attention from here on out. And all those things, the, the ministry that we know so well, the healings that take place, the bold messages that are proclaimed, and ultimately the cross and the resurrection, all of them begin in this moment. 
It's his baptism. And accompanying Jesus' baptism is this profound declaration that this is the very Son of God. This is God's beloved Son. And God is well pleased with him. God the Father is well pleased with God the Son. And that statement, it sets the stage. It prepares the way for what is to come. In other words, this act of naming, this declaration of Jesus' belovedness, it matters immensely. It matters immensely for Jesus, but also matters immensely for you and I. Because it was in that moment of baptism that Jesus was both claimed and called. I mean, think about it. The angels sang at Bethlehem. They sang on that hillside loudly to those shepherds who were gathered there. But here God's voice speaks. The voice of God the Father speaks to God the Son. And this voice acknowledges that God the Son, who is standing right there in that river on this day with John, is someone special. He is someone special, and he has been called and commissioned by God to do something special. And so every year as we have this one Sunday called the Baptism of the Lord in which we celebrate Christ's baptism, we reaffirm and we say, remember your baptism. And as a pastor, I've stood and I've encouraged many congregations to remember, to think back to reflect upon their baptism. That wonderful moment. A moment to remember. A moment to celebrate. A moment because in that act, just like Christ, we're reminded that we belong. That God looks at us and he sees someone special. That as he looks at us, he sees someone who is his beloved child, a beloved son, a beloved daughter of the King of Kings and a Lord of Lords. But not only does he see us and call us his beloved, but he has something special in store for us as well. It's amazing to think that at some point in time, a voice spoke over us, a name was given to us. There was someone who said in that moment, this is my beloved child and I am well pleased in you. Maybe you were a baby when it happened. Maybe you were a baby and this morning as I say remember your baptism, it's hard to think back that far. Maybe it's impossible to think back because your memories don't go quite that far. But see, that act of remembering, it's still important whether we can remember every detail and every word that was spoken over us, whether we can remember the act itself. What we remember is we say, remember our baptism. What we remember is that God loves us, that he died for us, that he wants to be in a relationship with us, that he wants to save us and make us new. You see, God claims us at baptism. God says yes to us. God sends us unearned, unconditional love in that moment. He extends love to us, love that we didn't earn, love that we don't deserve. 
love that is unmerited. He extends to us grace. Amen? And nowhere is that grace more visually symbolized than in that, bapt- in that act of baptism. This is my beloved child. This is my beloved child, God says, into, it says to us in that moment. This is a child who I choose to love. This is a child that I choose to love, not because of merit or because they deserve it, but because of my mercy. That's what God says to us in that moment. He chooses to welcome us into his family, to include us as an adopted heir. We now have, we now have that opportunity to be part of God's family. And in those moments, God says, I choose to walk with you. I choose to walk with you through the waters. And you know what? Even when the rivers come and they rush, they won't overwhelm you. I'll walk with you through the fire. And the fire shall not consume you. You are precious. You are honored in my sight. You are my beloved child. So fear not. Fear not, God says in that moment, because I will be with you and I am for you. And truly, he is there with us. He will not leave us or forsake us. He is there in all things, at all times, in all places, no matter what we face. He is there with us both now and forever, amen? God in that moment says that he chooses to love us even when we're unlovable. That's the message of baptism. That's the one that we should grip and latch on tightly to this morning. It's a symbol that reminds us that we're claimed by God, that in his sight we are someone special. And as is the case with Jesus, it also means that he's there with us. But he also has something special, something important for us to do. And we hear that again in this text. And the Spirit descended upon him as a dove. And friends, when we come to walk with Christ, when we come to know him and walk in his ways, when we begin that relationship with us, the promise is that in that moment, the Spirit comes to live and dwell inside of us. You see, we're not simply called to be God's beloved children, but we're called to partner with God in the family business. As a member of the household of God, as a member of the family of God, we are called to be helpers, to be helpers of God in a wounded world, in a weary world where people need to experience the love of God in Christ Jesus. Friends, we have been claimed by God. We are beloved in his sight, but we are also called by God. And so as we hear those words, you are my beloved child, a child with whom I'm well pleased, we also remember that in that moment, as part of the family of God, we now have work to do. Just as God has extended grace to us, now we need to go and extend grace to others. Just as God has been merciful to us, we now need to go and be merciful to others. And as God has loved us, even when we were unlovable, We have now been called and commissioned by the God of the universe to go and to love the unlovable. But we can't do it on our own. 
We need that Holy Spirit. We need the very Spirit of God who comes and takes up and sets up residence inside of us. And as the Spirit comes and lives and dwells inside of us, we now have the opportunity to go and to pay that grace forward. To share this incredible gift that God has given us with all those that we meet. It's incredible if you think about it, the grace-filled now have the opportunity to go and be the graceful. The recipients of God's grace, those who have received it now have the opportunity to go and bear that grace to others. And so on this baptism of our Lord Sunday, as we remember Christ's baptism, as we celebrate that moment where he was standing there in the Jordan River being baptized by his cousin John, we also remember our baptism. We remember that we are beloved of God. We have been claimed by the God of the universe. But we have also been called and commissioned to partner with him in his work. And so today, as we remember our baptism, we live into that baptism as we seek to live out our calling, to be the beloved child of God, to truly own that title, that name, to know that we are loved by the God of the universe with a love so great that he gave his one and only son for us. So friends, may God be glorified in his church. And may he be glorified in our lives, both now and forever. Amen.